Welcome to the One Chance Coaching Podcast. My name's Claire. Please be aware I'm not a doctor. This is my advice from me to you. I do have a level three life coaching diploma and I have also passed my level two certificate in understanding nutrition and health to help best advise you along your journey. Good morning, good morning, happy Monday to you. How are you doing? It's beginning to look a little bit like spring out there. It's really quite pleasant. Um, we're just getting little hints of spring. There's bulbs popping up. I've no idea what any of them are, which is quite exciting. Um, I discovered, if you've seen my TikTok fairly recently, a whole bunch of uh, bulbs that I didn't know what they were, which is quite exciting. So I just shoved them all in ground or pots or whatever, and we'll see what comes up. But they're all starting to appear, and it's really exciting. Um, so this week I am going to be talking about habitual change and habits and how habits can be formed in our formative years and how we take them with us as adults and all that shebang. So this past week, I've had a really interesting, interesting week because I have been tracking every single thing that goes in my mouth since June 20th. And this week, just gone. I had a week off. So if you're following me on TikTok, you will probably already know this because I've talked about it quite a lot and I've sort of documented the journey there as I've documented my entire fat loss journey with Team RH. Um, and it's been an interesting ride, but I'm coming towards the latter part of it now. Um, I've been doing this for eight months and I've lost the weight that I wanted to lose. Um, there is always, you know, a part of you that thinks, could I go more? Could I lose more? Is there more fat to lose? In my case, absolutely, there is actually. But I have to remind myself frequently of how big I used to be and how do I really want to go too much lower? What's going to happen to my skin and that sort of stuff? And I'm in a healthy BMI and I'm in a healthy place and I feel pretty good. Um, there will always be days when I look down and go, oh, God, it could be better. But, you know, who doesn't? Whether you've had a fat loss journey or not, who doesn't? So I think, you know, it's about finding a place where you feel healthy and happy um, and that you're not endangering your life anymore or shortening your life anymore by being you know considerably overweight which I was for most of my life um, so habits are an interesting topic they're a really interesting discussion point I think quite a lot of the things that we do in our life are out of habit um, and eating is a weird one because people talk about food addiction and I hear people say I'm literally addicted to food and it's just like well uh, really think about that statement so is everyone, because if you're not addicted to food, then you're going to die. Um, but it's a weird thing because I understand it in another way. So I've looked at it one way. Of course, you're addicted to food. Everyone's addicted to food. We need food to survive. It's fuel. Um, but in another way, I totally get it as that people say that I can't stop and there's no off switch. And whereas other people, and I'm using air quotes here, normal people, people that have never struggled with their weight, that they've just eaten because they were hungry, um, don't really understand that some people can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until you're 400 pounds or 600 pounds you know you've only got to watch some american tv and there's 600 pound people um and you might be one of them and i'm not disparaging you and i'm not berating you because if i had carried on the way that i was going to go then i would have been one of them i got to 280 that's a frightening number for me but i know that there are plenty of people around that are up that and are higher 
So we've got to look at habits as why do we do them? So having a week off tracking has been an interesting experiment for me because at the beginning of it, I made myself a few rules. I made myself rules that I was only going to eat when I was hungry. And I found myself slipping out of those rules. And I found myself not eating because I was hungry, but eating because it was dinner time or eating because it was lunchtime or eating because it was breakfast time. And that is what is habitual. Every day I get up, I make my coffee, I come downstairs, I come downstairs, I make my coffee, I make my breakfast, I eat my breakfast. I don't give a single thought to am I hungry most of the time. And I would say that is probably the right thing for all of us. And this is why it's a weird thing, because quite a lot of us as parents struggle with our kids going, I'm not hungry in the morning. And you're like, but it's breakfast time. You've got to eat. You've got to be fueled. And when we have that need to make sure that they are going to school with a full belly so that they can focus and so that they're not going to be ravenous come 10 o'clock. But there are so many people that get up in the morning and are like, I'm not hungry. I'm not ready to eat yet. And I think a lot of us, we have that bashed out of us, that intuitive thought. Am I hungry? No, then I will eat later. Now, that might always be the case, okay? So if you're talking about children, you might say, oh, you're not hungry now, but you'll be hungry at 10 o'clock. But at 10 o'clock comes break time. So if they're really, really not hungry, then I would say probably don't force the issue unless you're concerned there's something else going on, in which case this is not the right place to talk about that. That's a different issue. If you're concerned there's an eating disorder going on and somebody's actively avoiding food and they're losing weight and you're concerned, then that's something for a medical health professional. But I'm talking about the kids that are just like, I'm just not hungry. I just I just don't want to eat yet. And at 10 o'clock, they're quite happily gnaw their own arm off. So make sure that they go with a breakfast and as, as well as the lunch, pack a few snacks that they can have at their break time at school. And I think, like I say, there are many of us, particularly people of my generation, which is the Gen X generation, where that was sort of, it was like you got up, you had breakfast and you had lunch and you had lunch at a certain time. And, and are we thinking about are we hungry or are we just eating because it's one o'clock? And the same at dinner time. Now, this having a week off tracking really made me think about that. And I, like I say, I did slip out. I did slip out of it. I was like, lunchtime. And, and, you know, there were days when I went past and thought, actually, God, I didn't I didn't really need all that. I just ate because it was lunchtime, 600 calories later. Now, it's it's a weird thing, but it's 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 absolutely worth thinking about. Are we eating because we're hungry at breakfast, lunch and dinner or are we eating because it's breakfast, lunch and dinner time? It's a weird thing. So the other thing that I found I was thinking about was having items because they're there. So. Me and my husband were really craving some chocolate all day on Saturday. All I wanted was Cadbury's chocolate buttons, but I didn't want them enough to go to the shop and get them. I could have. We have a shop, a little corner shop down the end of our road, which I can walk to in about four minutes. It's really not a big deal. It's a tiny, tiny walk. Now, I figure if I really wanted those chocolate buttons, I would have got off my ass and gone and got them. But it was just a hankering. And then I was like, well, I could go and get chocolate buttons, but I'm sort of warm and cosy and, you know, I don't really know that I want to go out and it's sort of a bit chilly outside and it's getting dark and no, it'll be fine. So I didn't go and get the chocolate buttons, right? So in that scenario, I didn't want them badly enough to go and get them, but had they been in the house, 100% I would have eaten them. Now, we, after having this conversation, he was like, oh, was there anything else? Is there any other chocolate in the house? And I was like, um, I think there's still a box of Quality Street left over from Christmas. And I think the reason that I'd forgotten all about it is that I put it up in a high cupboard in the kitchen and forgot about it. 
Um, now, I'm a big believer in out of sight, out of mind. I forgot that those Quality Street are there. Had those Quality Street been on the table, in the living room, in, on the coffee table, 100% they would have been gone two months ago. <laughs> you know, they would have been gone at some point during December. We're now into February. So I, the, the whole out of sight, out of mind thing is, is absolutely accurate because they were in the cupboard, therefore I forgot about them. Whereas if I'd been that desperate for chocolate, I could have been crawling around the house looking for chocolate. I would have gone, oh, my God, it's a box of Quality Street. Put them out on the table. Now, what we did do is, is get them out and we had two each and then I put them back in the cupboard. And the odds are and I'll forget about them again. But if I leave them out, I would have them. So you could say to yourself, am I planning on eating chocolate this week? Um, no, not really. Haven't really got any major chocolate plans this week. But if there was a big bowl of chocolates on the side, the odds are you were going to have them. The odds are you would have more than one, right? Because let's face it, if there was a big bowl of Quality Street on the kitchen table and they were there every time you walked into the kitchen to make a cup of tea, I would say the odds are you would have them. In the same way that biscuits, when laid out on a plate, are going to get eaten as opposed to biscuits that are in the cupboard. Yeah, so this is what I'm talking about with, with habitual change. And the whole out of sight, out of mind thing is a brilliant, brilliant thing switch things up from time to time now um, one of the biggest things that I did was that I moved the chocolate stash my husband's chocolate stash is in a lockable box that sounds extreme but I know what the code is for the lockable box I know what it is I set it yeah it's my birthday I know exactly what it is but the faff of opening it means that I don't so now we've got individual little boxes. I've got a little pink box. My daughter's got a little white box and my husband's got his lockable box. And those have got the sort of the chocolatey things in. OK, the things that I would used to overindulge in all the time, whether I was hungry or not, they were just there. But I moved them. I moved them away from eye level, put them somewhere where they're more of a ball ache to get to. And then you've got to ask yourself, oh, God, can I really be bothered? And they're not right there staring you in the face every time you open the cupboard. So whatever it is, whatever that one food is that you're just like, oh, my God, make sure it's not right there. You know that they tried to do this thing where they were saying, oh, we're going to stop putting, you know, sweets and chocolates and things like that at eye level for children near checkouts. That hasn't happened. I'm fairly sure that law was passed. But I went into the range the other day and at the range where I live, I don't know if it's the same where you live, there's a huge sweeping uh, queue that you have to go through. And along that queue, they put all the shit that they want to get rid of. Um, and they also absolutely stack it full of sweets and lollipops and candy and chocolate bars and crisps and all this stuff that you think, I'll just grab that. And I think, honestly, by the time, if you bought like four or five things from there, you could put another 20 quid on your, on your bill. It's genius marketing from their point. But I'm fairly sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they made that illegal. Like They weren't supposed to put it at the eye level of the kids. So you haven't got to wait in the queue for 10 minutes for the queue to go down with the child going, Mummy, 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 please, 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 Mummy, please, Mummy, please, Mummy, which is just horrific. And in the end, you give up. And go, well, fine, have it then. But it's right there for us too, isn't it? So like I'm saying, if you've got stuff that is a, 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 a trigger for you, get it out of your eye line. I'm not saying don't have any of it in the house. If that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. But I find that that's easier said than done. Personally, there were very many, many people that just go, well, just don't have it in the house then. You're like, OK, right. 
Um, and there is an argument for that, to be honest. But like I have it in my house. My husband has chocolate in his lunchbox every day. Um, and that is just the way it is. And I want to be able to have those things included in my life. But I want to be able to be in control around them. So I think the thing is, what you can say is that you've got to recognise what your triggers are. So know what they are. Write them down. Think about the things that you know are going to make you spiral a little bit. And the things that you know are going to make you think, oh my God, I just need more, I need more, I need more. I always used to describe my chocolate addiction as like sort of chocolate heroin. And when we're talking about food addiction, as I was earlier on and saying, oh, and it's an addiction, it's an addiction. It's the only one where you say if food addiction is real, if it is a real thing and there's arguments for and against that, it's the only thing you can, you have to have. You can say to an alcoholic, imagine saying to an alcoholic, somebody that was really, really struggled with alcohol and they just had this thing and they knew if they had one glass of wine, it would lead to 15 glasses of wine or it would lead to a bottle of vodka or whatever. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So what you're going to do is you're going to give up alcohol, except for the fact that you have to have just a little tiny bit of it every day. Or say to somebody that's on heroin, you have to have just a tiny shot of it every day. You can't give it up entirely, otherwise you're going to die. Do you see what I mean? Like, so, but with food, you have to have it. You can't just say, oh, okay, we'll just stop doing it then because this is what's triggering you. Eating is what's triggering you to eat more and more and more to make yourself ill and to potentially shorten your life. But you still have to keep doing it. So find out what the triggers are because it's not everything. Eating an orange is not going to trigger you to eat eight, eight oranges. Doubtful. <laughs> really doubtful. Okay, eating a bowl of all bran in the morning is not going to trigger you to go, oh my God, I must have 10 more bowls of all bread. It's usually the things that are freaking delicious. Aren't it? It's usually the very, very low nutrient dense, very high caloric foods, chocolate, crisps. Crisps are the highest, you know, calorie dense food that you can have for the lowest nutrition and the lowest weight. So per gram, they're like the highest calorie thing you can eat because they are just... I mean, don't get me wrong, they're bloody delicious. But, you know, they are, in terms of weight and calories, pretty much the highest calorie thing you can have. So find out what the triggers are, right? Write those down and then disrupt them. Change it. Move the chocolate away from where it's at your eye line. Put it in a cupboard where you don't go. Yeah? Do something different. When you feel like... I've had that chocolate bar at lunchtime. It was part of my calories for lunchtime and that was lovely. And now I really, really want another one. That is the point when you get up and you do something different. So get your head in a book, go and do some work, do some paperwork, clean the house, go for a walk, take the dog out, do some self-care if it's in the evening. I know a lot of people really struggle with evening eating. It's not something that I do. I basically don't eat after six o'clock and that's come from a year of doing intermittent fasting a couple of years ago. I just got into the habit of not eating after six o'clock and I'm really not an evening snacker. So it's not that I'm fasting anymore. I don't fast anymore, but I'm out of the habit of eating in the evening because I did a whole year of not eating anything past six o'clock in the evening. And a year of doing that made it just normal for me. So, you know, find something else to do. Get some house chores done. You know, those chores that are sitting there and you're thinking, oh my God, that's going to take ages. It's going to take ages. It's going to take ages. And then you do it and it actually takes 10 minutes. Go do that. Take your mind off it. Keep things simple. Don't overthink it. So when you're reaching for the thing that you know you shouldn't be reaching for, when your hand is stuck in the Pringles tube or you've got cheesy puff remnants all over your chops, go and do something different. 
and try and keep it simple. Go for a walk, do some work in the garden, just 20 minutes. Yeah, go and find something, pick a chore and tick it off and feel good about the fact that you've done that thing. Try and think long term. What habits do you need to break in order to change your life? What are those habits? Do you see what I'm saying? One of my favourite, favourite things is keep, you know, talking about keeping it simple. If you want things to change, then you have to change things. <laughs> that is as straightforward as it needs to be. If we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, then nothing will change. So what habits do you need to break in order to change your life? What are those habits? Think about them. Write them down. I'm a massive, massive believer in getting things down on paper. If you need to, do what I did and document the whole thing. Speak it out loud. Do it on Facebook. Do it on TikTok. Do it on Insta. Do it wherever. But make yourself accountable by doing that. You might not be comfortable with that at all, in which case just write. Write it down. Have a firm word with yourself. A lot can be achieved by that. So persistence. That is what you need in order to break the habits that are going to stop you from changing your life. Persistence. This is the key factor. Consistency. Persistence. Sticking at it. Consistency is key in anything that you're trying to do, whether it's learn the piano, take up running, lose weight, give up smoking. Consistency is key. I say this when it comes to Christmas. People talk about Christmas and they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to derail everything. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because two weeks out of 52 weeks, it's not the two weeks you need to worry about. It's the other 50. The other 50 is what you do most of the time is what is going to dictate how your future looks. Don't try and change too much too soon. Give yourself a bloody break. Nobody is asking you to go from zero to 100 in one step. It would be unrealistic. It would be unachievable. You would crash and burn and think, I can't do it. Chuck it in the fuck it bucket and move on. And then nothing changes because you haven't changed anything. So try and change small things first. I challenge you this week to change something small and make it a habit. So whether that is reaching for something, reaching for fruit before you reach for the chocolate, have the fruit first. Try doing the nutrition thing first. And if the nutrition thing doesn't, satiate you doesn't get rid of that craving for the chocolate then go for the chocolate but the odds are if you've paired it with something else like fruit like yogurt like something high in protein high in nutrition the odds are that craving is going to go away a lot quicker so four steps okay to the atomic habits law and i just want to go through them so make it obvious right key points make it obvious try and think about what it is you need to do. So make it attractive would be point number two, whether you want to do charts or lists or mood boards or write it up on a poster. What do you want to achieve? What do you want to, what habits do you want to change? Make it easy. Little things. Don't think, right, I'm going to take up running. So this week I'm going to run a half marathon. That will lead to injury, pain, failure, and, uh, and then are wanting to give it all up. So make it easy on yourself. Think, I want to take up running, so I'm going to start Couch to 5K, where you do 30 seconds of running. That might not even be easy for you. That depends. Okay, I'm just using that as an example. If you want to take up knitting, you wouldn't say, right, I'm going to knit a, an, an entire like baby outfit in one go. You'd have a go at making a square, wouldn't you, or do a scarf. Yeah, make it easy on yourself and make it satisfying Think about 
the successes. And all of those previous steps lead to making it satisfying and making it successful. If you make the, the goals obvious, the habits that you want to break obvious and make it attractive, put some work into it, make it easy, taking it in little steps, then you're going to get some progress. Then you're going to get some satisfaction from a point where you feel like you're actually making progress. And this can equate to losing weight, getting fit, lifting weights at the gym, or it could be something completely different. It could be changing habits. I'm stuck in a job that I hate and I want to move on from it. I want to do something different. I want to open my own business. I've got ideas and we've all got fabulous ideas. Fabulous ideas are something that we all have. Putting them down on paper and making them actually happen, that's a very different thing. I'm like the queen of ideas. I have ideas up the wazoo and I keep thinking, well, how can I make it better? How can I make it better? I have ADHD tendencies. I have not been diagnosed, but I'm fairly sure I've got ADHD. My doctor's fairly sure I've got ADHD. We just haven't gone down the diagnosis route. But because of that, my brain doesn't stop. It's always on the go. It never shuts the hell up. And I'm always thinking of new ideas. So my idea six years ago was I'm going to start a little kids singing group. Six years ago. I was working in a school, I was working as a teaching assistant and I thought I'm going to set up a little kids singing group because I was doing it in the school and it was really fun and I loved spending time with those kids and making them make this bl blooming glorious noise and having so much fun with them. So I was like, well, I'm going to do this as a club. So I set it up as a club. Um, six years later, that club has no children in it because the rules on children and performing got so complicated that I decided I couldn't do it anymore. But I now have... Uh, 80 choir members or there and about, that that is my job. <laughs> and that was something that came from an idea that I loved the thought of. How cool could this be? This could turn into something. Six years ago, this is my mainstream of income. Now I'm trying to put the same flair and effort into starting the coaching business because I really, really believe that I can help people. So moving on from that and just slightly related is that I am going to be starting a Patreon. Now, this is very new to me, so I'm not going to be putting anything out there just yet because I want to get some really good content in there for you guys. And then I'm going to look at how to work the Patreon because I appreciate that not everyone can afford one-to-one -one coaching. It's expensive, but there is no way of doing it whereby I'm not taking a massive hit if I don't make it expensive because one-to-one -one coaching comes with a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of hours and a lot of love. Now, I'm absolutely on board on doing it. You can pop along to my website at onechancecoaching.com and find out about it there. Drop me an email. But I appreciate that not everyone can afford to do that. So I'm trying to find a way that I can give a much, much smaller program, but do it via Patreon, whereby you pay a couple of quid a month and, you know, or something along those lines where it's not a massive outlay, but you're still getting that support from me. And it feels like it's a one to one, except it's not quite. So that's my my future plans. But I really do challenge you this week to make a couple of small changes. And I'm, I mean small. Make a couple of small changes and think about it now. Write it down of what it is I'm going to change this week. Could be I'm going to up my steps by an extra 2,000 or I'm going to move that chocolate so it's not in my eye line when I open the cupboards. I'm going to switch up my breakfast and try something a little bit different. Do something that is going to become a habit and that habit is going to lead to you having the life that you want. Try and visualise what that life looks like and what you're going to look like living it. But remember that if you want something to change, you have to change. 
you have to change things, okay? So whatever that thing is that you're after and that you're seeking, know that you can do it, know that you are strong enough, know that you have got it in you to do it. You just might need to take it in slightly smaller stages and not expect everything to happen immediately because nothing in life does and nothing good in life really comes that easily. So this is your challenge for this week. I hope you have a wonderful one and enjoy these slightly warmer, balmier temperatures. Um, it is nice to have a little feel of spring in the air, isn't it? So you go get them and um, I will catch up with you next week. And thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give me a little a rate and review. That would be amazing. Um, you can also, if you're listening from Spotify, share straight to your stories. You can now contact me at my brand new website at www.onechancecoaching.com.